We're going to open the word of the Lord. I, to be honest with you, I wrestled quite a bit over what I was going to, to preach about today and as getting ready for the month of January and wasn't sure exactly where the Lord wanted me to go and through prayer and study decided that I would begin a series in the book of Acts and today will be the first day of that series and then next week we have a guest speaker so um, we'll have to put the series on pause for at least a week next week as we have a guest speaker coming in but today I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 Acts chapter 1 Verses 9 through 11. It says this, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taking up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And I'm going to take my title today from this phrase in verse 11, this same Jesus, this same Jesus. There is a saying that was created first by Heraclitus, a Greek, and he said this, that change is the only constant in life. Anybody found that to be true, that nothing really stays the same? There's always change everywhere that we go and in all of life. Just in my lifetime, now I'm, I'm 49, I was born in 1972. If you haven't done the math, I'll be 50 this year. Uh, and I expect lots of gifts for my, and lots of black and whatever else. But just during my lifetime, and, and I, when I was growing up, I never really saw these, but they actually had car phones back in the 70s. And, and it was very rare for people to have car phones, but they had car, the phones that could be installed in their car, and of course they're running on a, a variety of, of radio and cellular signals. And, and then it wasn't too long after that that they had bag phones. Anybody remember the bag phones? Show of hands, anybody remember that? Just all right, a few of us. And, and if you haven't seen a bag phone, it was, it was a phone that was actually in a bag, and you could take that with you. It wasn't going to fit in your pocket. It looked like a purse, you know, size, size bag. So, so they had bag phones. And, and then finally, as they, they progressed in what they were doing and making uh, the advances in cellular signals and cellular phones, you had the, the candy bar phone. Anybody remember the candy bar phone? It was one of the first phones I had. It, you know, it looked like the size of a candy bar, a little bit bigger than that, but that style. And then we went to flip phones. And then, you know, everybody was cool with their Motorola Razor phone, you know, flip that thing open and you were, you were just really happening. And then smartphones came into the mix. And now, here we are in 2022 and flip phones are coming back, but it's not just any flip phone, it's a smart flip phone. And they're constantly changing and constantly advancing. And so change is always uh, inevitable. It, People progress, and time as it passes on, things progress. And, I, I, as, and during my lifetime as well, I, I've seen this 
this view of the rapture that has changed. In the 70s, when I was a kid, they had a lot of people that would get married, and they were, they were getting married in what they called the rapture rush. And the idea was this, is that Jesus was going to return soon, and if you were of marriage age, you wanted to get married before Jesus Christ came. And uh, it's part of, the, part of life and part of what you, many people would grow up doing is, I want to get married. And so before Jesus comes, I want to get married. And so they had the rapture rush. In the 80s, there was, of course, still that big push and still a lot of talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ and about the rapture. And In fact, in 1988, a book came out. I was 16 at the time, and it was 88 reasons why, why Jesus is coming back in 1988. And these people, they... Uh, this particular guy who wrote the book, he, he delineated all these different things. He said, man, Jesus is coming back in 88. And then when Jesus didn't come back in 1988, the next year he wrote a, a book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 89. Well, then it seems like in the 90s and all the way up really until COVID hit in 2020 is that there wasn't this real idea or real push that Jesus is coming. It's kind of like, well, he kind of ran our cycle in our generation and he didn't come whenever we were telling everybody he's coming. And because of all that's going on in the world, I mean, he, he should have come, but since he didn't, we just really won't talk about it. And at least in the circles that I was a part of and, and am a part of, there wasn't a lot of talk about the rapture or a lot of talk about the second coming of Jesus until COVID hit. And I said this, I've said this from the pulpit, I, I was standing right over here to the side of the stage the first Sunday in March of, of 2020, not the first Sunday, but the first Sunday we did online only, so I guess it was the third Sunday of, of March, and I was standing right here before we went on the live stream. It was our first live stream, we'd never done it before, we didn't plan on doing it as a church plant, it's just like live stream's not what you do. And I was standing right here, and I caught myself praying the prayer at the end of the book of Revelation that says, even so, come Lord Jesus. That here I was in the middle of planting a church six months old, six months into the process, and now we've got to shut down and we've got to go live stream only, and who knows how long this is going to last. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Let's just... Just even so, come Lord Jesus. But what I would tell you is that most people, at least until that moment, when, when the world went haywire, they were like those in the, the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. It says this, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and our Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The reality is this, is that Many people weren't really looking for Jesus to come. Many people were of the mindset, it's just going to continue going just like it has been. He hasn't come. 
He's not coming anytime soon. But what I would tell you is this, is that the time of His coming is soon. That when I look around at, at the world that we're in, and I look at what's going on, and when I look at the Scripture, I will tell you that Jesus is coming soon. Let me set a little bit of the context of the passage. Luke, who is a Gentile doctor, he is a companion of the Apostle Paul. We, we see Luke show up in Acts chapter 16, where he is then walking with Paul on his missionary journeys. The evidence is pretty clear that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. The Gospels, of course, and, and Luke in this particular context is telling the story of Jesus. It's the, the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then the book of Acts is telling the story of the actions of the apostles as the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread across the known world. And so they, this, this book of Acts is a kind of a two-part series with the gospel of Luke. And at the end of the gospel of Luke, we see the, the great commission according to Luke that the gospel is going to be preached in all nations beginning at Jerusalem and, and that repentance and remission of sin should be taught in all nations. And so Luke records the final words of Jesus as the gospel there. But then in Acts chapter 1, he tells about the ascension of Jesus. He tells about the, the final moments of Jesus in bodily form here on the earth. And it is that passage that I read to you today. So I want to talk about three elements out of this passage that I read to you. And the first is this, is that Jesus, of course, departed. And I, a little bit about the departure of Jesus. The text says, now when they had, he had spoken these things while they watched, he, speaking of Jesus, was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Jesus before this had, had said to Mary, who was the first one to see him after his resurrection, when Mary goes up and, and wants to, some would say wants to hug him, and, and others would just say that she is making the assumption that Jesus is going to be here forever. But what he says to her is, Mary, don't cling to me. I, I'm not done. I, I'm not here to stay. That he had promised his departure. In fact, throughout the the Gospel of John specifically, Jesus repeatedly had said that if I don't go away, the Spirit won't come. But it's for your benefit that I go away. And of course, the famous passage in John, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. That Jesus had promised He was going to be leaving. He had told them that He was going. So immediately after his resurrection, they, forgetting all of those things, think that Jesus is here to stay. But he's not here to stay. The Bible says, though, that for 40 days he was with them and he taught them. And in that 40 days, he gave his final commands and his promise of the coming Spirit of God. He tells them that when I go, you wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. 
until you wait until you're endued with power from on high. So this ascension, or when Jesus is taken up from them as they're standing there watching in the middle of this conversation, it would be a little disconcerting. They're wanting him to be with them and he just starts levitating and then continues to rise up until he disappears into the clouds. And they're standing there watching this, standing there looking at this. And as they're standing there watching, angels appear. Two men in white apparel. The Bible has a lot of inclusive things and and it's kind of a parenthetical it's called an inclusio when you have something that takes place at the beginning of something and that same kind of things takes place at the end it's like these brackets or these bookends and what you saw at Jesus first coming which we just cut through celebrating in the in the month of December is that angels were at his first coming. Angels were foretelling that he was coming and then when Jesus shows up that night in Bethlehem angels are talking to the shepherds in the field and they're, they're saying glory to God in the highest peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That angels are all involved in the first coming of Jesus and, and now these angels are present at his departure. In fact at the resurrection of Jesus the Bible says that there were angels present there and Maybe it's the same two angels, I don't really know. But angels show up to give a word to the disciples about Jesus coming back. So let's look at the person of Jesus. These two men said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. There is an emphasis here, and the text you see on the screen is, you see the word same is is in italics, and I'll just throw this out there for you. You see that it says same, and it's italics, because same is not really in the Greek language. But the translators of the King James and New King James decided that it was important for the readers to understand that the Greek language is implying that it's the same Jesus. Other translations just say this Jesus, but, but I, like the, I like the phraseology of this same Jesus. And that means a, not, a lot of different things, but it, it means this in, in part, that it is the resurrected immortal Jesus. That it is the Jesus that came out of the tomb. It's the Jesus that walked with them for 40 days and talked with them. It's that Jesus, the one that they saw ascend into heaven. It is that Jesus that's coming back. It's not a different Jesus. It's not a changed Jesus, but it is that Jesus. Now understand, the Bible implies that that when Jesus is resurrected, there is some significant change. We don't know all of the, the change and all of the reasons why and, and what all it entails, but, but when Mary comes up to Jesus, or, or Jesus shows up to Mary after the resurrection, she looks at Jesus and thinks he's the gardener. She thinks he's the one that's taking care of the, the garden around where Jesus has been married or buried, and it's not until he calls her name that she recognizes, hey, this is Jesus. 
Maybe it's because the Bible says his visage or his face was marred and he was unrecognizable as he was being beaten before the crucifixion. That maybe it's because his face had been messed up in that process of the crucifixion. We know this, that he still had the the nail prints in his hands and the the nail prints in his feet and the, the spear hole in his side. The Bible tells us he had all of that and so maybe... He's just different than what they remember. He doesn't look the same. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking with two disciples, two people that have followed him, two people who have been around. They're not part of the 12, but they've been around him a lot. And he's walking with them. And it's not until he disappears from their their sight that they recognize that Jesus was the one who had been walking with them. I don't know what all the changes had taken place in him physically, but it is that Jesus that is coming back for you and I. And in fact, the Bible says he's going to come and he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives and he will have the, he, the, the Jews will say to him, where did you get these wounds? And he says, in the house of my friend. So I don't know what all has changed between the time of his crucifixion and the resurrection, but it is that same Jesus who was resurrected who is coming back. For you and me. It is the Jesus who had compassion. It is the Jesus who conquered death, hell, and the grave. It is the Jesus who ever lives to make intercession for us. It is the Jesus who is the miracle worker. It's because he's still a miracle worker that we pray for the sick and we pray for God to deliver and we pray for God to be at work because he is a miracle worker. It is the Jesus who is the compassionate Savior. It is the Jesus who is the Spirit giver. It is the Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13 and 8 says. It is that Jesus who is going to come back for you and for me. But it didn't stop with just saying this same Jesus. They then went into the return of Jesus. But this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Once again, I find it it would probably be pretty amazing to see Jesus, the, the one that they have walked with for three plus years, all of a sudden he's just now just floating up into heaven. You can imagine, or maybe you can, I, I don't know, the be a little disconcerting So they're staring up, watching him go until he disappears in the clouds. And when they tell, two angels tell the disciples, he's coming in like manner as you have seen him go. The challenge for the disciples and and the challenge for you and I is we don't know how long the delay is between the ascension of Jesus and the second coming. In my introduction, as I talked about the, the views of the second coming or the rapture, and man, the 70s and 80s, man, Jesus is coming back any moment in the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s, eh, maybe. We don't know. That delay between the ascension when he goes into heaven and he comes back. The angels don't say he's coming back in 2,000 years or he's coming back in 1,000 years. It just says he's coming back the same way. 
that just like He went into the clouds, He's coming back from the clouds at some point in the future. I read to you from 2 Peter where many would just say everything's just going to continue on just like it was. Just like with the birth of Jesus, the angels at His first coming and angels at His ascension, angels are going to be there when He comes back. As he's, the Bible says, He is coming back with His holy angels. But there is going to be a difference between His first coming and His second coming. He's not coming the same way that He came the first time. He's not coming again as a babe in a manger. He's not even coming for the same purpose that He came the first time. But He's coming back to set up His kingdom here on the earth. He's coming back to come in glory and He's coming back in power. It would be advantageous for me to make this distinction for you. But the rapture or the gathering away of the body of Christ, of the bride of Christ, is not the same as the second coming. But the Bible says that, that Jesus is going to take us all, He is going to gather us up to be with Him in the clouds. That event is going to take place prior to His second coming. doesn't negate His second coming. And the reality is, is that many people argue about how long it is between the rapture and the second coming. And it's not my intention today to solve that for you. But there will be a gap when we are taken out of here and when Jesus comes back to set up His kingdom on earth. Four times in the book of Revelation, the, ba- the Bible talks about the battle of Armageddon which is when Jesus actually comes to set up His kingdom on the earth. It's when He's coming to set up that kingdom that they were calling for. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, in the few verses before, I read what I read to you today is this. They're saying, Lord, when are you going to establish your kingdom here? That His disciples are still saying, you need to wipe out the Romans and set up your kingdom so Israel can rule the world. They're still wanting that to happen. And it wasn't time for that to happen, but when Jesus comes back, He will wipe out all human government and He will establish Himself as King of kings and Lord of lords here on the earth. The first time He came as a lamb, this time He's going to come as a lion. That physical kingdom that they wanted, that physical kingdom that they were pushing for, Jesus is coming back to set it Three things, the departure of Jesus, person of Jesus, the return of Jesus. But it is the same Jesus that you and I read about in the Gospels. It is that Jesus who is coming back. I reference this, but the Bible says that in this time that we're in right now, that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us, that that Jesus is interceding on our behalf and he is working for our good he is still our healer and he is still our deliverer and he is still our provider and he is still our protector he is still 
our Savior. And He is still pouring out His Spirit today. So why preaching about this today? Partly because when I preach through a book of the Bible, depending on the length of the book of the Bible, I will sometimes go almost verse by verse or paragraph by paragraph. Other times with a a book of the Bible such as Acts with 28 chapters, we would be there for years trying to get through the book of Acts. So as I thought about and and prayed about where I would start in the book of Acts, you've heard me preach plenty of times and reference plenty of times Acts chapter 1 verse 8 about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fact that they're going to be witnesses. And so I chose this passage. Because here in 2022, all of us should really be praying that prayer from the book of the end of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. There is nothing in life that that I would rather do and rather experience than going to heaven and spending an eternity with Jesus Christ. I may have told you in this setting of people, stories that I've heard of people that are on their their deathbed and were at least thinking they were on their deathbed and, and, and they were passing way too early. They weren't in their 70s or 80s or 90s. People saying, I don't want to die I don't, because I want to experience this and there's a lot more restaurants to eat and a lot more shopping to do. And all of that is, is fine and all of that is, is good. It's, it's part of life, but But when I think about what heaven is supposed to be like, when I think about what it means to be in the presence of Jesus, always, there's nothing that I can think about here on earth that is worth delaying that moment. No amount of Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowls are worth waiting to go to heaven. No amount of good times are worth waiting to go to heaven. But there's a process and, and we don't get to go till He tells us we get to go. And we shouldn't try to get outside of His timing and speed it up. But I would tell you that I am looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ takes me home. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I don't want to be like those that Peter wrote of that are saying, oh, everything's going to continue on as it is. The Bible says, to those who look for Him shall He appear the second time. 
that if you're not looking for and anticipating and expecting the return of Jesus, you just might miss it. Jesus told the parable, we label it as of the, the ten virgins, five wise and the five foolish. And I won't go into all the detail, but in that parable there is a lot of, of New Testament Hebrew background of things such as this. You couldn't go out into the streets at night without a light because you're considered a thief and a robber. Because people didn't just wander the streets. Things pertaining to a marriage ceremony, which is what this alludes to. They don't know when the bride groom is coming back. They don't know when the groom is coming back and and so they just have to be ready. And then when the bridegroom comes, the call goes, go you out to meet him. But if you didn't have oil in your lamp, if your lamps were burned out, you couldn't go. That you weren't allowed out in the streets and they had no idea when he was coming. The five foolish let their oil run out five wise, they kept the oil in their lamps and they kept other oil beside saying, I don't know when he's coming but I want to be ready. And it is that attitude that you and I should have today. I don't know when he's coming but I want to be ready. I don't, I don't know when the trumpet's going to sound but I want to be ready for his coming. So my call to action today is this. Make sure you're ready for his coming. By that I mean that what Jesus said in the book of John when talking to Nicodemus, unless a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. It's not signing a card or shaking a hand. But it is being born again that will get you into the kingdom of God. Be ready for His coming and look for His coming quoted it already, but to those who look for Him shall He appear the second time. And I would even encourage you to pray that prayer of the book, the end of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. That Lord, we're ready for Your coming. We want Your coming. We want to spend an eternity with You. We're ready for that day. But in the interim, in that gap between the present and the time of His coming, you and I have a job to do. And that's to get as many people ready for His coming as possible. To make sure that our family, our loved ones, our friends know who Jesus is. be honest with you I found myself that March Sunday praying even so come Lord Jesus and since that time I, I've, I've prayed it but I'm kind of at a moment of tension between praying that prayer and understanding the task and the mission that we are to be on. 
what I mean is this, is that I'm ready to go. I want to go to heaven. But how many people do I know that aren't ready? And if Jesus comes today, how many people are going to miss heaven because I didn't share the gospel with them? Because I didn't tell them who Jesus was. I didn't boldly proclaim His word to them. So my tension is this, my desire to be in heaven and my desire and understanding to see more people saved. The reality is I can't control when He comes, but I can control who I tell. And maybe that's more important in this text than just the fact that He's coming back. But because He's coming back, we should live out verse 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost. His final words before His feet left the ground. His final work, word should be our first work and our primary work before our feet leave the ground as well.